0: See his vertigo. (laughs)
1: That should be our new theme song. We're working on licensing right now.
0: Yeah. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Vertigo Voices. Hi, everybody. I'm Colby. I'm Sophia. I commissioned a new song from singer-songwriter Alex Merton, and uh, apparently (laughs) she just released it on the radio (laughs) and didn't cut (laughs) me in, so.
1: We're a little upset about that. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thanks a lot, Alice.
1: <laughs> you don't know the exposure that you missed.
0: <laughs> Literally dozens of listeners. <laughs> but no. <laughs> All right. So it's been a few weeks. We uh, had to take uh, a break due to some. A, a murder investigation that I'd rather not go into. Um, but nothing was proven. And. I'm still here.
1: <laughs> this is the first I'm hearing about this, dear listeners. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, no. I, so we only ever record every two weeks. I think I've said that before. But uh, I had my second COVID vaccine a couple weeks ago on a Thursday. And the side effects kicked my ass for a good solid two days. Like, I didn't feel human until, I don't know, Saturday afternoon. I got it on a Thursday. So, you know. What can you do?
1: you got to do what you've got to do. It's been a couple
0: weeks now. I'm all vaxxed up. Everything's good, even though I'm staunchly anti-vaccine. <laughs> I'm anti-vaccine for everyone else.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which puzzles me, but hey, each to their own.
0: It's like, uh, I mean, it's, it's like a politician being anti-abortion un- until his mistress gets knocked up, you know? <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> Gotta be careful. I might spit my coffee back into the mud. But now, people, get your COVID shots. Just, just do it. Don't be an ass. Just do it.
0: So between then and now, there's been a lot of news, a lot of shit that I had on my notes to talk about last time that uh, obviously we couldn't. And then just new stuff that popped up. Um, So I'll go through some of my notes. Um, First one, uh, I watched the film, the animated movie, justice society world war ii have you heard about that
1: i have how was it
0: yeah. um, not good oh dear <laughs> so it's a justice it's a it, it, the title is justice society it's about conceivably about the justice society and it barely features them oh. it's all about present day flash fighting brainiac with superman and then like accidentally going back in time spoiler alert he thinks he goes back in time it's actually a parallel universe Okay And there he meets the JSA, who uh, I think only two or three members are actual like what modern audiences would consider Justice society members because they the main JSA members are shunted to the background. I so would you know that? it features Wonder Woman as like the leader of the JSA. I mean, that's not really her role anymore. Like she hasn't been a part of that team since like the 30s. 40s, whatever. She's she's way more associated with the JLA now. Yes. So it's her, Modern Day Flash, Superman, again, a major character in it, Steve Trevor, okay, then the actual JSA, Hawkman, Black Canary, Flash, um, Jay Garrick Flash, um, Dr. Fate is in it for a few seconds. <laughs> and, then, and so who would be the best bad guy for the JSA to fight? I... Aquaman? Because it's Aquaman.
1: No.
0: Yes. They fucking fight. Aquaman's the bad guy in it, and he's being mind-controlled by some dude named Advisor. Okay. The guy's just called Advisor, and he's like a human with fucking mental power. They don't explain who he is or set up anything about him. You have to go onto Wikipedia and find out that that's actually Psycho Pirate. But you wouldn't know it from the fucking movie. (laughs) Because he's not called Psycho Pirate. He doesn't wear the Medusa mask there's nothing that connects him to, to a Psycho Pirate. It's just some random guy. I don't know. It was mind-boggling to me that you'd make a JSA movie and not really include anything about the JSA in it.
1: And have them go up against Aquaman of yeah. all foes.
0: There's a secret character in it named uh, Shakespeare. And they're like, who's this guy? Like He's like a photographer. And it's it set up at the very beginning to be like, it's, it's clearly Superman. Like, it's, you're just being <laughs> an idiot to not know. And yeah, it's Superman. It's the Superman from that world who's lost his memory or something
1: and they call him shakespeare yes okay
0: uh, it's a, right. i was f- shocking i was insanely disappointed with this because i fucking love the jsa there's so many great characters they could have used instead there's like three that get relegated to the background hawkman dies um black canary is sad <laughs> and our man has a couple lines and punches stuff and i don't know it's just again just incredibly annoying that it's called just the society and they uh, play second fiddle to superman flash and wonder woman
1: society is is barely a factor
0: yeah and then it like it ends with flash going back in the regular timeline and being like hey i just met this team of superheroes we should start our own team (laughs) Ooh, so it's really just a jla origin movie how is it hard? Like, these aren't aren't difficult characters to adapt or to make screen-ready, you know? I don't know. It's, it's annoying.
1: Ooh, ooh. I,
0: I, and I fucking love There's so many great characters I can use. <laughs> it's so Starman in there. And if you want to do JSA with, like, a weird twist, just adapt the Liberty File, which mm-hmm. was a, a comic by... Oh, fuck. I can't remember who wrote it. Tony Harris did the art for it. It was bloody amazing. And it was like a... Uh Elseworld story about Batman, uh, so Batman, Hourman, and Dr. Midnight working as like secret agents for the government in the 1930s. And they were they were codenamed The Owl, The Bat, and uh, The Hourglass, maybe? I can't remember. But they that's comic had a sequel called The Liberty File. no, no, that was the Liberty File. <laughs> had a sequel called The Unholy Three. Another sequel called The Whistling Skull. <laughs> it's just it's a really cool universe that he created with like these kind of twists on JSA characters. And like everyone showed up. Alan Scott, and Wesley Dodds, and uh, what's his name? Mr. Terrific. So yeah. It was, it was a fun story. And Superman was the bad guy in the second volume. So Oh. <laughs> so
1: they could have adapted that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Anyway, fuck it. What do I know? <laughs> jsa world war ii go watch it it's great (laughs) uh so the other news uh uh, why the last man we've talked about this adaptation in the past uh it's been trucking along many false starts few casting switcheroos Uh, apparently it's now been complete well the first season is actually finishing filming in july so they're still filming but it's premiering uh september 13th on fx and hulu Stay tuned. Yeah, so fingers crossed it'll be ready to go by then. But I mean, the pilot's probably been, probably been done for months, so um, I'm sure they'll have plenty of time to finish the season by then. Uh, on one little fun bit of news, I, I had a couple of Twitter... Uh, battles? Yes, but uh, Twitter. What's the word? Just interactions. A couple of Twitter interactions that I was going to talk about today. But the first one was fun. Um, a couple weeks ago, Karen Berger, you know, founder of Vertigo, had talked about a 20th anniversary, maybe 30th. I don't know. Some fucking anniversary of uh, Enigma, one of Vertigo's first miniseries, and she uh, was talking about the new hardcover edition. And I commented on it about how, you know, looks good, but uh, I I already have all the issues. But, but it looks good, you know. Maybe I'll have to pick it up. And she commented that uh truly stands the test of time, and I like your handle. <laughs> Karen Berger is officially a fan of Vertigo Voices. What do you think about that?
1: I think damn straight. Yeah, yeah. we'll take that.
0: Thank you, Karen.
1: I will live off that little nugget for uh, months to come. I have a
0: goddamn t-shirt <laughs> with her name on it. So
1: <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> That's a, that's nice. That is good news right
0: there. Yeah, exactly. That leads us to Sandman casting round two and oh, yes. a new round of Sandman casting to kind of flesh out more of the, uh, major roles of the series. Uh, one thing right off the bat, like I only recognize like, I don't know, half of these people. <laughs> I don't know most of them at all. The first one that jumps out to me immediately is Patton Oswalt as Matthew. That's a great voice for that character. Perfect. Gaiman actually said that was the first person they ever cast. Oh, really? He was cast before they pitched it to Netflix. Oh. Like the day before that's that he cast Patton Oswalt. So that means he's been casting this role for like three years. <laughs> <laughs>
1: just keep Everyone loves Patton Oswalt. Oh, exactly.
0: I just finished watching I'll Be Gone in the Dark, that documentary <gasps> series. That I haven't seen it life. yet, okay. yeah. His wife wrote the book about the Golden State Killer, and there's a, a documentary that kind of – it it follows the book, but it also is, like, all about her Like It's an interesting, um, interesting look at, like, the reality of true crime and people that get, like, sucked into it. It kind of – I don't know. There's a bit of, like, the true crime world that just kind of rubs me the wrong way that just, like – being obsessed with other people's misery Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and as even at one point there's an interview with michelle mcnamara where they kind of somebody asks her like kind of why you do this and she's like oh it's just you know so interesting and like digging into these crimes and the the reality of it blah blah blah, and then like after she spends a couple minutes like explaining why it like gets her off then she's like and you know i mean it provides closure to the victims (laughs) like i mean we can couch this in as much uh uh, you know, like, goodwill as you want. But at the end of the day, it's really just, like, rubbernecking at a, an ambulance, you know?
1: <laughs> and
0: that's fine, but just, like, own it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just it's one of those things that's kind of ghoulish to me. But whatever, it's part of society. God knows everyone is into that. Um, anyway, regardless, Pat Nottingham is <laughs> <as> Matthew. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, Stephen Fry is Gilbert. We already talked about that. Jenna Coleman is Joanna. Joanna Constantine. That one is uh, interesting to me because it caused, like, a whole bunch of confusion online, and then I realized that it wasn't confusion. It was just me being an idiot. So everything I read about it was like, oh, she's taking over. Like, they made John Constantine a woman and blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, no, John – that's not – that's a different character. Like Joanna Constantine is actually in the comic. She's in dreams past or whatever. And they're like, well, then why would they bring her back as, like, uh, present day? I was like, they don't, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so then I read uh, Neil Gaiman's press release, and he was like, yeah, so we cast Jenna as Joanna Constantine. I thought that was cool. And then we decided, like, she's so good at this character. Why don't we just bring her back in the present day, too? <laughs> like, oh, so they are. They're, so they're taking out John Constantine and basically making her, having her fill two, two roles. The way he described it, though, it doesn't sound like she's just playing her own descendant. Because the way they say it, they like, oh yeah, and then we kind of brought her back for the future. I'm like, so I don't know. There's got to be something more going on there. It would have just made more sense to have her be her own descendant. But whatever. I you know, I, I trust the crew. We'll see how it goes. We'll find out. <laughs> yeah. I look at David Thewlis as John D, which you know, great actor, interesting role. Good sure. choice. Yeah, sure. Choice. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I have no complaints there. Uh, and then Julie Richardson as John's mom, Ethel. Which is weird to me. I've mentioned this to you because she's two years younger than him. Right. And, like, I get... I get. And she's a great fucking actor. I've loved her ever since I saw her in Event Horizon when I was in seventh grade. <laughs> That's right. She is in that, isn't I she? I had, like, a huge crush on her back then. So, anyway, I mean, you know, she's great in Nip Tuck and all other things. I'm sure she'll be great in it. It's just... It's weird because I'm sure they're just going to, like, old age her up to right. make her... And so part of me is like, well, then why doesn't, like, she could play both versions of Ethel. But then they specifically cast Niamh Walsh as young Ethel Cripps. And it specifically says Ethel Cripps and then young Ethel Cripps. And that feels really odd. Because, again, she's younger than the guy who is supposed to be her son.
1: Right. But because she's over the age of 45, well... (laughs) Her expiration date is fast approaching
0: and It's it's like I I get it, and I I'm she could play the role no matter what. I totally get that. It's just like the optics are a little odd. Of again, yeah. Ethel Cripps, young Ethel Cripps. Don't get me started. Um,
1: <laughs> anyway, Julia Richardson, yes, yeah. lovely actress. She's great Anna uh, hey,
0: I mean it's, it's job's a job, so at oh, least she's, I'd she's working. I <laughs> take
1: it. I'd be like it's bullshit. I'm playing someone. I'm playing I'm, someone's mother who's two years younger. Than me, but I'll take it. <laughs>
0: But and even that, even with that, I mean, again, they're probably gonna age her up, so it's not like she has to. It's not like she's gonna be like forty-five year or however old she is, blonde Jolie Richardson, and then against him, because <laughs> in the in the comics, Ethel's like ninety or whatever, right? So
1: I don't think it's gonna be like a Colin Farrell, Angelina Jolie situation in Alexander. I don't think they're gonna do it like oh, that. Oh yeah,
0: but Forgot about, I haven't seen that. Now that I think about it. <laughs>
1: No, for another time. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> anyway, so that's the extent of the cast that I know. I, those right. those are the only actors that I know. And, and uh, Neon Walsh, I have no idea who that is. So then there's uh, Kyo Ra as Rose Walker. Don't know who that is, but yeah, sure. Young young woman, sure. <laughs> and then uh, Sandra James Young as Unity Kincaid. They're being cagey. I mean, obviously that's part of the plot that they're related Um, so Gaiman is like, oh, her mysterious benefactor, Unity Kincaid. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, okay, all right. I won't spoil anything for people online. Uh, Razane Jamal as Lyda Hall, another actress I don't know anything about, but, uh, sure, yeah, why not? Um, the fact that they cast Lyda makes me think that Hector's going to be in it too. Uh, then Donna Preston as Despair don't know anything about but that picture she's definitely got the first face right there the eyes it yeah. looks like a looks like a little bulldog about ready to bite like just that <laughs> that that determination
1: her eyes are perfect I the fact they're... that
0: one eye is a little bigger than the other is it? <laughs> yeah I mean look, like... look at that it's definitely cock-eyed like oh, look at her eyebrows
1: a little bit yeah,
0: yeah. She, lo- she looks like she's about to tear into someone
1: she does she does <laughs> if looks could kill
0: yeah
1: I hope they well they probably will give her a lot of prosthetics because she's too pretty right there, but she's got well, it's eyes. It's a
0: fucking headshot. Of course she's too pretty. Well, yes. They, Patton Oswald's too pretty right there. <laughs> okay, point
1: taken.
0: <laughs> uh, Mason Alexander Park as Desire. Uh, apparently Park is non-binary, which it's Desire, so yeah.
1: <laughs> I think they look pretty perfect.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, and then Kirby Howell Baptiste as Death. Apparently she is in something right She's in, like, some high-profile show that I've never seen. So, <laughs> and, yeah, one of the things that was funny to me, so obviously they cast a blast, black actress as Death. On our cast list, like, when we made our, our own Sandman cast fucking months ago, I think we both settled on black actresses as well. Yeah. So s- it's almost like that's, that's uh, like, we tapped into Gaiman's mind there. Right. We met up in the dreaming and compared notes. Pay attention. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Listen, they're on to something. Even though even though she was probably cast months ago. Because, again, they've been filming for a while.
1: Yeah, I, who did you say?
0: I don't remember. I remember that, that Zazie Beats was on the list. Yes, she was. And I can't re- I was actually going to re-listen to it before we did this, but I forgot because I'm dumb. So, uh, I don't know. But, yeah, everyone... Everyone looks fine. Like, I don't. Of course, it's the internet, so people are fucking being annoying and freaking out about white, or not whitewashing, uh, diversity and. Blind
1: casting, so to speak. I don't know.
0: Okay. I got into a few fights on Twitter about it. So here's the thing like, I don't ever go looking for fights. Fucking hate the internet in, in terms of arguments. Okay. Um, but when somebody comments on my posts and starts a fight, then, yeah, I'm going to fucking fight back and then I'm going to block you.
1: <laughs> it's on. I,
0: exactly. <laughs> I can't even see the angry post that I got now because, again, I blocked those people because I don't need that shit. And I don't want to <laughs> amplify their voices.
1: Well, with all this stuff to get excited about in life, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't understand it either.
0: And I, I like, oh, this one guy commented, Inclusivity means Netflix's Neil Gaiman Sandman is going to get the HBO Watchmen treatment of pure wokeness. Netflix is aiming for woke awards, no doubt. They, that's probably why they canceled Jupiter's Legacy, where it didn't have a chance at any woke awards because it's too white. And, like, those are two completely different things, first of all. And, like, I caught, I, I kind of like, A, Watchmen was awesome, far better than Jupiter's Legacy. Oh. Yeah. I liked Jupiter's Legacy, but Watchmen was a way better story. And the comic book Watchmen is all about social issues.
1: Indeed, indeed. So,
0: of course, the fucking TV spin-off sequel is going to be about social issues. And then I kind of like, so like, A, Watchmen was awesome, far better than Jupiter's Legacy. B, the reasons for a show's cancellation have zero to do with its, quote, wokeness, and everything to do with, A, viewership, and B, how much it clicks with audiences. Like, Jupiter's Legacy just didn't click for a number of reasons.
1: That's what I got, like, three or four episodes in, and I was like, I just don't care. I wasn't offended by it or outraged by how bad it was. I'm like, I just don't care.
0: (laughs) And the last thing I said to him was, go (laughs) read (laughs) Sandman. Yes. Like, if you've read Sandman and, uh, like, I guess understood the point of view of this book, then there's no way any of this casting would offend or upset you.
1: Right, right. It's just
0: so fucking stupid to get bent out of shape about this like the, that's not it's not reality this isn't this isn't a problem
1: <laughs> yeah
0: and then and then i've heard people say like well it's not that i have anything against black actors or blah, blah, blah. it's just that i feel like, like i really love the look of death in the comic like i love that look of of the goth chick and the black and the blah, 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 eye makeup and Gaiman's like yeah me too that's why this is that character like, right. Like, guess what? She's right. going to look like that, you fucking idiot.
1: Exactly. Like,
0: it's not like we cast a black actress and we're going to put her in fucking red high heels. Exactly. And uh, uh, a fucking green miniskirt. Like, that's so fucking stupid to think that they would change that. <laughs> they
1: put death in L.L. Bean. <laughs> yeah.
0: And so basically then what that amounts to is that, because like, that person's probably still arguing about that. And their argument is then going to fall back on like, well, it's just, I like the white skin. Because <laughs> I, like, I like her when she has white skin.
1: And guess what? That version still exists for you. Exactly.
0: (laughs) And then, like, like somebody else pointed out, like, "Hey, man, if I was you and I was getting the Netflix money, I'd let them go all in, make Death and Desire African, Muslim, Aborigines, trans, pansexual in a polyamorous relationship." If someone is interested in your work, they'll go read the comics and series. This series is clearly not for the fans. And then Gaiman responded, "Bless your cotton socks." (laughs) the people who've read the comics will see the uh, dream as african and muslim Uh, and they'll read about a desire who is quote trans pansexual in a polyamorous relationship with all of us it's always been there and the fans have been good with it for over 30 years (laughs) hey guess what in like the third issue dreams a black guy There you go. When he goes to hell, like he's literally a black guy. Like, who the fuck cares about what ideas look like? Right. (laughs) And again, like, like people get so bent out of shape about the fact that in the comic they're white or they're pasty or whatever. And the point of view of the comic is the author's. Like, it's Neil Gaiman's point of view. So that's essentially his gaze that you're seeing the stories from. Right. And there's nothing wrong with expanding that for a show. Exactly. I mean, fuck, there's nothing wrong with expanding it with a comic. You could do a whole volume of a comic where Dream looks black, <laughs> and that wouldn't change anything about it. So it's Go a character. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> it's it's shocking to me that people are that myopic and that fucking stupid <laughs> to be so so hung up on something like that. And then one of these guys, like one of the people that was arguing with me, I quickly went to his feed because I always want to know like, is this is this like a decent person who's just gone down the wrong rabbit hole? Or is this literally a lost cause? <laughs> so I went on this one guy's page, like, you're a lost cause. <laughs> and I said something, I was, I can't remember what I said. Cause he, he was like, Oh, uh, calling Watchmen good. Or like, I, I've seen, cause I, I commented about liking Watchmen. And he said, uh, I've met someone or I've met people with different tastes than me, but man, that's like, that's like saying that you like eating sandpaper. No. And I, I commented back with like, yeah, I, I fucking love sandpaper sandwiches, man. Uh, <laughs> I just looked at your feed and I know that there's not going to be anything to be gained about uh, engaging with you. So have a nice life. And then I blocked it. <laughs> and uh, uh, his feed, he had like a picture of uh, a black Superman. And it said, if you're okay with this, and then a white Black Panther. So then you have to be okay with this. No. And it's like, those. That's not. that's a no. false equivalency. And like... <laughs> And then he said something about how casting black actors in white roles diminishes the fact that there are black superheroes that they could be playing or whatever. And as I've said before, like the problem with that way of thinking is that 99% of characters in comics were created by white creators 50 years ago when they weren't – like that just wasn't in their mind to think about diversity or – The fact that they were black audiences, so just everyone's white, (laughs) because that's what they see when they walk outside in their little worlds. (laughs) So then every everyone's white, so every superhero's white. It was a big deal when there was a black superhero in the '60s. Right, comic books have been around for 30 years by that point. (laughs) So you know, like it's one of those things that like that's you can have both. You can have black actors play black characters, and then also give some of the white roles to them because there's too many. (laughs) <laughs> indeed, indeed. there's nothing wrong with giving black or white roles to black actors when there's you know there's clearly no shortage of roles for white actors
1: well and it's like you said that false equivalency and people not understanding why minorities get upset because there is this long history of real life historical figures that mean something to different ethnicities being portrayed by white people and so it's like, they don't have any say in that story. And now that we're actually coming to a point in our entertainment where we can, you know, it's no big deal for death to be played by a black woman. Because like you said, she's a black man in the third
0: issue. Yeah. I no, mean. Dream was a black man.
1: No, Dream. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Genghis Khan was a real person played by John Wayne. Yeah, like exactly. I see why people were pissed. Yeah. Like you said, these characters do not exist in real life, yeah. people. They're fictional.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's just shocking to me that that is a point of contention. Like again, there's black actors and actors of every color and race that that can fill any of these roles. There's no shortage of white roles for white actors. So who the fuck cares if some of those roles go to black people or Right. Again, any race. It's maddening that this is a discussion that has to come up in 2021. (laughs) But here we are. And I feel like I feel strongly about making sure everyone knows my stance on this and that I'm on the right side of history.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, on on that note, I am going to log back into my Twitter and erase all my bio and just put bless your cotton socks. (laughs)
0: Yeah, bless your cotton socks. And Neil Gavin has shown absolute <laughs> class through all this because he has been engaging with these people and just cutting them down time after time. And, like, that's got to be fucking exhausting. Right. To get up and, uh, who hates me today? All right, you're a fucking idiot. You're a fucking <laughs> <laughs> idiot. It's like, it's like Seth Rogen did that a few months ago, years ago. I can't remember what it was. It was during the Trump administration, and people were pissing, at or getting pissed at him about something. I can't remember what it was. Something, uh... The right wing was upset about him commenting about pride or thanking his gay fans. I don't know what it was. And every single one of the fucking comments that were, oh, you fucking, you fucking queer lover or whatever, he would just comment, to, fuck off. Just over and over and over. <laughs> fuck off, fuck
1: off, fuck off. <laughs> Rightly so. Oh,
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, the only other bit of news that I have. Oh! Oh! I forgot but Colby Colby has issues ah. this is we... a this is a different one yeah so Colby has issues no, no, no. I didn't queue it up so um again not not a comic but um something Vertigo related uh, that I picked up <laughs> finally have Yay. a Spider Jerusalem Transmetropolitan DC Direct action figure he's beautiful I got it on eBay so yeah, twelve ninety five price tag on there. I did not pay that. <laughs> I paid considerably more than twelve ninety five. But yeah, um, it's got a little little cap. I'm gonna open it up right now. Oh, Spider's a little laptop. Oh, perfect. Oh, and that is not accurate. It's a little laptop. It's missing something. Oh. Oh,
1: oh, oh. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: missing his little sticker. On his, on his laptop, he's got a smiley face sticker with three eyes, the little transmit logo. And uh, the toys doesn't have that. It's bullshit. But, um... The cat does yeah, have two his, faces, right? The a cat with his little cigarettes. <laughs> and Spider himself. That's a very impressive tattoo scheme on him. Like, they got all of his little tattoos, even on his back.
1: Very detailed.
0: It's a little nipple, <laughs> tats, and uh, barbed wire. Oh, the barbed wire is actually sculpted. You can feel it. Oh, really? Let's see if those are just painted. That's interesting, yeah. So, yeah, I got a little Spot of Jerusalem to go with my Vertigo collection. I think this is the last Vertigo figure. Really? The last yeah, one? That, that I don't have. Really? Yeah, uh, I take that back. There is kind of one that I'm missing. Uh, so, there was a two pack of uh, Dream. From different, actually, different iterations of Dream, there was a uh, um, God damn it, Arabian Nights. Remember that story in Sandman? Barely. So anyway, it's a uh, fucking the Muslim version of Dream, <laughs> and then uh, and then there was another one called Dream Hunters, which was Asian Dream. Okay. And they made a two pack of those two versions of Dream, which I don't have that yet. Mm. But closer. I, I do have Dream. And I do have Daniel. So I have. The character, I just don't have the, the, that two packed.
1: Ever closer
0: to Yeah, but anyway, so this is the last character that I needed.
1: <laughs> the circle is almost complete.
0: It's a good, It's a really good face sculpt. And this toy is fucking 30 years old. I mean, it's from, oh, really? it's from 1999 or 2000. Yeah, so stood the test wait, of time. That's 20. Wait, yeah, it's 20 years old. I'm okay. <laughs> not 30. <laughs> I, like, yeah. wait a minute. I said 30 because so my daughter has gotten really into aliens like the movie series, Aliens, oh. um, she hasn't seen any of the movie. Well, we watched Alien vs. Predator, because it's the only one that's PG-13. Because she's only nine, so I'm not going to show her an R-rated movie. But she got really into the Aliens because we went to a toy show in town, and she found the Snake Xenomorph toy oh, yeah. from, like, 1992, and just freaked out about it. Like, she <laughs> fucking had to have it. I loved it. So ever since then, we've been buying up alien toys on eBay. She's got a little collection behind me there. Oh, yes. And, uh, yeah, she's obsessed with aliens now. And I was looking at the, you know, the fucking trademark or whatever. They're, those are all from 1982. So she's playing with 30-year-old toys. And she's got all the fucking kids on the block to play with them. She has this whole game, like, worked out with them. Because she's really into Pokemon. So she's she loves the fact that aliens have life cycles. Oh, yeah. So it's like an evolution. Mm-hmm. So she has these games with her friends where, like, they literally—it's like Pokemon Go or Pokemon battling, but with her alien toys. <laughs> and then you start as a face hugger, and then after you get so many points, you can level up and pick an animal to impregnate. And then when the chestburster burster comes out, then you have to uh, feed and level up till you become the creature. And then if you level up enough, you can become a queen and lay more eggs. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yes. She was talking to my mom on FaceTime a couple weeks ago and was showing off one of her face huggers. And my mom's like, what's that? And she's like, oh, it's face huggers. So, so it crawls on your face, right? And it inserts a proboscis into your throat and inserts an embryo. And like, see these two flaps on the side, the, that, those actually inflate and the, cause those keep you alive while it's impregnating you. <laughs> and she's like, and then it comes off. And you may think that you die once that happens, but you don't. The, the face hugger actually dies, it keeps you alive until the embryo is big enough to tear itself out of your chest cavity. That's what kills you. <laughs> and my mom's like, Can we talk about your stuffed animals or something? <laughs>
1: I love that your kid knows what proboscis
0: and chest cavity is. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's not even for me. That's just for love of science and YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) Learning
1: new things all the time. (laughs) Yeah, I
0: explained to her the alien life cycle a while ago, and then we watched AVP, which kind of, she's like, oh, okay, I I get this now. Like, this is some shit, man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She didn't say that last part.
0: (laughs) (laughs) In fact, she she is staunchly against swearing. Um, to the point where the other day I heard her playing with one of her friends and her friend was like, Oh crap, and Lilian was like, um, excuse me, like I don't uh I don't like it when people say that or something like that. And she was like, What? It's not a swear word, and Lillian goes, I think you'll find that <laughs> is in fact a swear word. <laughs> she had to censor herself.
1: Watch your mouth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: So, for all the ways that she's like me, she's definitely not inherited my love for swearing. (laughs) soon enough. She's still young.
1: Give her time, give her time.
0: She's young and not jaded about this fucking world. (laughs) (laughs) Let
1: her be excited a little while longer.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So, alright, we've gone through a lot of stuff and a lot of, uh, side (laughs) conversations. We did have a story. Oh, wait, did you have other news? I
1: do, oh, yes. Okay. This will be quick. I forgot. And we have a lot to cover, folks, because we were gone for a couple weeks. Um, this was a little bit more sad, but you probably heard that uh, David Anthony Kraft passed away mm-hmm. recently from complications due to the coronavirus. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, uh, sad, sad news. But for those of you who don't know, um, in the 70s and 80s, he was a strong force at Marvel. He worked on like a... Oh, Man-Wolf and Captain America, and I'm pretty sure he did the entire run of the Savage She-Hulk. And uh, then he went on to work for Comics Interview, a magazine, in the 80s, and he, you know, got to rub shoulders with uh, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and Todd McFarlane. So, a very strong behind-the-scenes presence. So, rest in peace, sir. And last, but certainly not least, and some comics fan is probably going to be like, Nah, uh Sophia. But, this made me really excited. Um... Todd McFarlane is launching King Spawn in August with a slew of really talented artists. And I'm 95% confident that this is the first continuous run of Spawn since, like, the early 90s.
0: Spawn's always been continuous. It's never stopped.
1: I know it's never stopped, but, like, um, a continuous story run, I think. Oh, I have.
0: I could give a fuck about Spawn, to be honest. Shut,
1: up. <laughs> Shut your mouth. I fucking hate <laughs> Shut your mouth right now. And I
0: really don't like Todd McFarlane either.
1: <laughs> well, you don't have to. Even though he's
0: from here. He went to school at Eastern. Did
1: he really? Yeah.
0: Oh. He's friends with, like, John Waite, who owns Merlin's. Really? And yeah. yeah. Huh. It's fucking weird. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so when you were talking about the. the I, I got my comic creators who died confused. Because. Oh. <laughs> uh, Karen Berger posted a couple days ago that uh, Pat McGreal died. And he uh, worked on quite a few Vertigo books, like uh, Chiroscuro, mm-hmm. uh, Veils, and I, Paparazzi. He passed away as well. So.
1: Losing some also good ones.
0: people dying. Yeah. Yeah, I've never been big on Todd McFarlane. Going back to that. Well, I'm not uh,
1: huge on him either, but
0: I really like the character Spawn. I don't at all. Really? Yeah. I, uh, it's just that 90s shit that I don't like. I don't like that, that era of 90s comics. Of just that, like, dark for darkness sake, and fucking Mel Bolgia and
1: <laughs> Violator.
0: And that, that aesthetic is just like a big sigh to me. Like, I look at it and like... Uh, Hurts the eyes.
1: Too many ripped veins for you. Too uh, so many
0: pouches. <laughs> <laughs> so many. Too touches. much. Like, like there's there's some asymm- there's asymmetry, and then there's the way Todd McFarlane does asymmetry, mm-hmm. which just annoys me. He'll give somebody one giant boot. <laughs> and then there's the whole legal side of him just fucking people over. Like Neil Gaiman, he, like has been in a protracted legal battle with Todd McFarlane for a long time. I did not know this. And then, uh, I mean, it. I say a long time. It's been concluded for like twenty years. There was a long legal battle between the two of them over some characters that Neil Gaiman created for Spawn that he then didn't get credit for. And uh, for years and finally he uh, Gaiman finally won and now those characters aren't allowed to be used without him being paid. And it's like major characters like Medieval Spawn Angela, Neil Gaiman created. (laughs) That's now, now he took that character and sold it to Marvel. (laughs) So Angela's not even a part of fucking Spawn anymore. Uh, And then, and then Gaiman did the same thing with, uh, or not Gaiman, uh, McFarlane did the same thing with uh, Miracle Man. Oh. Because he bought, he thought he bought the rights to Miracle Man and he didn't. So he started using him in Spawn comics, even though he didn't have the rights to him. (laughs) I don't
1: know why you would think you would have.
0: Because he bought, he bought, a bunch of characters from a publisher. Yes. And he thought that Miracle Man was included in that, but it wasn't. And it's like, if you're going to do, like, dot your I's and cross your fucking T's. <laughs> and so it's just that sloppiness that I don't like. He He's the kind of creator who f- I feel like he thinks he's above the law and above other creators. Mm-hmm. And so instead of helping them, like, lift them up, he's pissing down on them, you know? <laughs> and that's just, like, I just don't like people like that.
1: Well, no, that's not cool. But you can love the creation and, and disagree mightily with the creator.
0: Yeah, and uh, luckily I do neither, or I uh, I don't like the creation, <laughs> <laughs> and I just like the creator. So it works out for me perfectly.
1: <laughs> well, for other Spawn fans out there, get excited. Colby yeah. will not b- be interested in this particular. Yeah, to
0: be sure. honest, I, up until probably a couple years ago, I had no idea Spawn was still going, and then I read like an article about oh, it was fucking Spawn. Yeah, it's still <laughs> still a goddamn thing. Still
1: chugging
0: away. Yep. And another thing about him. <laughs> McFarlane Toys recently got the license to do DC action oh, figures, mm-hmm. like, a couple years ago. Every fucking wave of toys they've put out has just been different versions of Batman. <laughs> With, like, an occasional, like, here's Flash as Batman. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, like, adaptations of the Dark Knight Metal comic series where everyone's Batman. hmm yeah. So, and just Batman wave after Batman wave. You want Batman in gray? You, here he is. Batman in blue? There you go. <laughs> Batman in black? Like it takes it. It took like the DC Universe toy line. I don't know a decade to get half as many Batman
1: as <laughs> as
0: Todd McFarlane has pumped out in two years.
1: Yeah, good point. And I would concede that he probably is a better businessman in that sense than he is. Except creator. for being
0: sued all those things. Except
1: for being sued. <laughs> but you know, you gotta crack some eggs to break an omelet or something like that. But well, Spawn's fantastic.
0: Well, agree to disagree. Spawn fa- <laughs> Spawn is something. I'll
1: give you that. <laughs> Thank you for that, at least. <laughs> anyway, now that we've uh, thoroughly ran down that rabbit
0: hole, yeah. So we actually have a book to talk about today. We're talking about Kyle Baker's "I Die at Midnight," which I talked about on our adaptation episode. That I wanted to see this adapted. You did. Would you see what I talk? What I mean about how easy this would be to adapt? Yes. Oh, like absolutely. this is basically a script already. It's just <laughs> it's a concise, short comedy-dramedy, I guess, of errors.
1: It's perfect for the screen. Yeah. I have a feeling we're going to agree mightily on this one. Yeah,
0: it's just—I mean, it's—it's it's a story about a guy who c- takes a, an overdose of pills to commit suicide because his girlfriend leaves him, and then she shows up, uh, and he is trying to stay alive now. <laughs> <laughs> it's Just pratfalls and goofiness and serious asides,
1: <laughs> just unbelievable wackiness like with life or death situations.
0: And it's all centered around New Year's Eve. In
1: 1999.
0: Yeah. yeah. The millennium! <laughs> Not a Y2K joke in sight. <laughs> right? Right. I'm, that, that takes some serious restraint.
1: It does. It does. I was going to say, I admire that.
0: And did I tell you before about who I thought should play this guy, right?
1: I, you probably did, but tell me again. It's Nicolas Cage. Oh, that's totally Nicolas Cage, <laughs> yeah. The lead in this yeah. just
0: looks like Nicolas Cage.
1: He really does. I mean,
0: realistically, Nicolas Cage about 20 years ago, but still. I mean, he could probably still do it.
1: <laughs> he could. Oh, he totally could. Um, read the back for our listeners because I love the summarization. Oh, okay, so.
0: New Year's Eve, 1999. The good news is Muriel has decided to take Larry back. The bad news is Larry's just swallowed a bottle of pills. And he can't tell her about it, or she'll leave him again. With a stomach full of poison, Larry must race across Manhattan to meet up with the only person who can save his life and keep the secret. But first, he's got to get through a crowd of millions in Times Square and Muriel's murderous ex-boyfriend. A mad camp romp, as only Kyle Baker can imagine. I Die at Midnight is about a man looking for true love and a reason to live. In New York, he'll be lucky if he finds a cab! (laughs)
1: and it, yeah it's that good yeah. <laughs> if that interests you at all then pick it up
0: and I like how uh, I mean I just love how fucking like the escalation goes throughout the story you know like <laughs> it starts with uh, a guy you know it's, okay it starts as like a, a mild relationship dramedy with some stakes and then it ends with a helicopter crash <laughs> <laughs> yes yes <laughs>
1: Pretty outlandish, but in the best of ways.
0: And Kyle Baker is a really fun creator. He uh, has a really, really weird style. That's just, It's very animated. and Because he wrote this and he did the art. And his his art style, uh, I mean, it changes kind of from, from book to book that he works on. Like, he did uh, the art for the comic book Truth, Red, White, and Black. Have you ever heard about that? I have not. It's been loosely adapted into the first season of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Oh. It's about this guy named Isaiah Bradley who was uh, a black man in the 1940s who was experimented on with the super soldier serum. Oh. And him, it's like the Tuskegee experiment but yeah. in the MCU. And uh, it's a really, really interesting dark look at, uh, you know, history and like whitewashing the good parts or the bad parts or whatever. And, uh, I, I was really happy to see some of that story in Falcon the Winter Soldier. But, uh, yeah, so he did that. He's also done just a lot of madcap comedy. What the fuck is that noise? You hear that? The wind. No, it's not the wind. It's like somebody hammering. That. That's hammering. <laughs>
1: it's the ghost in your apartment.
0: <laughs> no, that's outside, <laughs> goddammit. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, he's done a lot of work for Vertigo, and a lot of stuff that became Vertigo, like stuff he did initially that... Hold on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll be right back. I'm in the fucking
0: alley. <laughs> Just hammering away at something. <laughs> fucking idiots. God almighty. Uh, so he's done a lot of stuff that became Vertigo, like uh, Why I Hate Saturn, which I believe I recently purchased. No, that was King David. Um, yeah, a book called King David uh, for Vertigo. Da da da. You are here, which is a book I have not read yet. Uh, an issue of House of Mystery, Mystery in Space, and then he did a book called Cowboy Wally that was later uh, became Vertigo as it was republished, and then I Die at Midnight. So like he's done all of this comic work and he's, he's like he worked for marvel in the 80s and uh he's in a lot of stuff for marvel also for dc he did a, most people know him for his plastic man book mm-hmm. so he did a plastic man series in the mid-2000s it was really fun and wacky and like just perfect for plastic man he also did a hawkman story for wednesday comics oh did you ever read wednesday comics
1: oh i don't know if i have honestly in
0: 2009 dc put out this weekly comic series called Wednesday Comics, and it came as like a newspaper. Oh, cool. Like a big newspaper. You open it up, and every page was one page of a different story. Oh, neat. So there was a Hawkman story. There was a Metamorpho story. There was a Commandy story. Uh, and each one of these was a different creative team. Like Neil Gaiman had one. I think he did Commandy, Eh, maybe not. I can't remember. <laughs> um, and it was just really cool. And so he did one of those. But through all of his work, I will always remember him because I got to see him in person at uh, San Diego Comic Con in 2008. Fuck, now I can't remember if it was 2005 or 2008. There was this panel there called Quick Draw. And apparently, this is something that they do regularly. And they have different comic book artists come onto stage, and each of them has their own little drawing station. And then over them is a camera. And it projects what they're drawing up on the screens. And so it was Kyle Baker. This, this was fucking amazing. I can't believe I was in a room with these people. Mm-hmm. So this was Kyle Baker, Sergio Aragonis, who's a fucking legend in comics. He's been working on Mad Magazine forever. Uh, and he created the character Gru and a bunch of other things. But uh, anyway, so it was Kyle Baker, Sergio Aragonis, and Jeff Smith, the creator of Bone. Oh which is an amazing comic book, and my daughter's favorite comic book, too. She's been collecting the cards. (laughs) And uh, I think there's another one, but fuck, I can't remember who. Anyway, regardless, those three on stage just blew me away. And the host would just give them drawing prompts, and they'd have to draw. Are you fucking kidding me? I can still hear that. Oh, my God, I'm going to murder a neighbor today. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway, one of my favorite ones was like, what's the craziest thing you saw at Comic-Con this year? And, like, one of them drew a caveman robot. Because there was this dude, like, his cosplay was a robot uh, caveman. (laughs) But my favorite bit about that was Sergio Aragonis. He uh, had, the host had him draw a picture of Alfred E. Newman. And so Sergio drew it, and he drew it, like, super small on the page. And, and he's like, I know what you're going to make me do. Like, I know. <laughs> because apparently it's something that comes up often where he'll have him draw Alfred e. Newman, and then he just keeps adding to this picture. So he's like, okay, now draw, like, a bunch of samurai attacking him. All right, now he's at on the edge of a cliff. And, oh, now there's a plane flying overhead. So he just keeps having to logically add shit to this picture to make it make sense. And uh, I remember that one. I'm pretty sure Kyle Baker did the robot, uh, uh what? The robot caveman. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was his. But anyway, I just, I'll just i never forget that because uh, it was just these heavy hitters of uh, comic book world in front of me drawing craziness for uh, an audience that was super into it.
1: <laughs> A memorable experience.
0: Oh, and Even had, uh, Gary Owens was in the audience. you know who he is? He's an
1: actor, right? A uh,
0: voice actor. He was like the voice of Space Ghost back in the oh, day. Okay, yes. And so he was in the audience and... They asked, like, the the host was going around to people because they were going to do a Space Ghost themed pictures. And he was like, uh, he went up to this woman in the audience. He's like, Could you say, uh, uh, like, all, you'll never defeat me, Moltar? And it's like, Yeah, oh, you'll never defeat me, Moltar. <laughs> He's like, Okay, uh, how about you, son? Can you say, You'll never defeat me, Moltar? And this kid was like, Oh, you'll never defeat me, Moltar. He's like, How about you, sir? Could you say that? And he went up to Gary Owens. He's like, You'll never defeat me, Moltar! <laughs> And the audience freaked the fuck out at that. It was so much fun. And then yeah, they all they all drew space ghost villains or something. I can't remember, but that was fucking fifteen years ago. That's nuts.
1: It sounds fantastic. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, uh, Kyle, Kyle Baker.
1: <laughs> Back to, He's the man. <laughs>
0: yeah. Really good artist, and again, just a really weird cartoony style he has. This book is probably his most restrained. And it has pages like that, where there's this (laughs) crazy wild snake creature (laughs) while the main character is hallucinating.
1: The uh, art is, even his signature, the way he does his name, is like Disney. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But this is not for children, everybody. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I don't
0: know. Of all the Vertigo books, this is probably one of the (laughs) least offensive ones for young sensibilities. (laughs)
1: I, granted, they might be able to read it and not know entirely the implications for what's going
0: on. <laughs> I love, like, pages like this where there's just no words of him jumping off the roof and using a steak knife to slide <laughs> down that banner. And just, like, the sense of scale in the background and everything. Oh, yeah, when he's in Times Square, a bunch of the ads are references to other Kyle Baker books. Like there's an ad for why I hate Saturn. Mm -hmm. There's Kyle Baker's name just in lights. (laughs) Uh, Civil Liberties. I don't know what that is. Jungle Jungle Stripper. Looks like a good movie. She Demon with a Gat.
1: (laughs) All these pulpy.
0: (laughs) Here's a good one. Develop early computer skills in your infant.
1: (laughs) Well, he kind of called it
0: when you think about it. Yeah, exactly. Ice Pick Nymphos. That looks like a good one. (laughs)
1: Our Basic Instinct.
0: <laughs> are you ready? 2,000. Oh, there's one <laughs> just called Wet. <laughs> KyleBaker.com, too. <laughs> yeah, just the Times Square ads are awesome. They
1: it's, are uh, good. It's
0: fun. Uh, yeah, and, like, the entire book has a countdown, like a constant countdown, because his, uh, because of, of, the Amount of drugs that he took, he'll die at midnight if he doesn't get the antidote or whatever.
1: Right. I don't want to know if that it, it's got to be made up or it it, it probably it might not be, but like that the uh, I can't remember if it's the drug that he takes or the antidote, but it has a ridiculous name like Enafedikekakekamine yeah. or something.
0: Like I, I have no <laughs> that. idea, if it's really not. I mean, but fucking, it could be. Look at like that the the drug that Trump was touting, hydrochloroquine, or whatever the fuck it called. <laughs> I got weird names. Oh, here's another ad that I really like. There's a um, there's two movie adaptations of for Why I Hate Saturn and then one for You Are Here the movie. Uh-huh. And the funny thing, is You Are Here, it's very clearly Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> as the leads. Yes. <laughs> fucking great. T-Rex. Oh, yeah. And then there's a... Uh, do you see the ad in the background? I've joked about this so many times. There's a big ad that says, Comics, they're not just for kids anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, they're not. And there are moments when he breaks out of, like, the... Well, like, you know, there with the pills. He breaks yeah. out of the panel format. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's really exciting.
0: His style overall is very non-traditional. Like, even in this, there's scenes where it's like... That's the wind. (laughs) There's scenes where there's like uh, uh, just it looks like a a picture book, right? Where like the dialogue is at the bottom or on the side, while the pictures are in the middle. And uh, that's not something that's common in comics. Like he doesn't use speech bubbles hardly ever.
1: Exactly. In this, I don't think
0: there are any speech bubbles.
1: I can't remember seeing any.
0: But yeah, he's a he's a cool artist that uh, likes to fuck around with the form of comics. And, and especially these days when this is an art form that, uh, has, I I, I don't know how to say it. Like it's, it's an art form that's very established and like everyone knows, you know, the fucking speech bubbles, thought bubbles, the text windows and all that. And you don't see a whole lot of fucking with the actual form. Like, like there's, like there's tons of, of artists and writers who mess around with the, uh, the layouts or the way panels work or splash pages versus panels, or like Frank Quitely will do a um, weird paneling where like the, pa- like it'll look like the panels are falling or whatever. Uh, and lots of artists get weird with that, but Kyle Baker's got like his own style of weirdness where even the words and how the story is told shifts, you
1: know? Right, right. It, it does start out in very uniform, but the crazier it gets, yeah. <laughs> he breaks more out of the mold.
0: Yeah, yeah. And just, like, yeah, like, the paneling changes and to the point where you can't even tell, like, right, right here towards the... Oh, wait, that's not... <laughs> that's not the comic. <laughs> but, like, there's scenes where, like, the panel is just the page, and then the panel is cut in with other panels. Like, I don't know. It's it's an interesting style. I really like it.
1: So, uh, what do you think of the characters?
0: Uh, stock I mean, there's <laughs> there's, uh, there's not really much to them other than you know he's the boyfriend like the depressed boyfriend the reconciling girlfriend <laughs> nurse <laughs> mean ex-boyfriend
1: <laughs> psychotic ex-boyfriend yeah, exactly yeah
0: and it, it's like I said when I first talked about it it feels like one of those 90s dark comedies that you'd see on Cinemax or whatever it does like uh, that movie uh, fuck, what was the movie I used as an example? The Last Supper.
1: Oh, okay, yes, yes. It's
0: got that kind of dark <laughs> comedy to it.
1: Mm-hmm. And it works very, very well. When I first started the book, I was like, oh my God, Larry and Muriel, you guys are horrible for each other. Yeah. But by the very end, I was like, you know what? No, you guys are, you're perfect for each other.
0: <laughs> well, and it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Like, it's, again, they're just stock characters. He he wants her back, and that's that's his motivation, you know? It's like... Like I, I need, I need to live just so my girlfriend doesn't think I'm weird.
1: <laughs> Which is like too late, too yeah, late, dude. Exactly. <laughs> when he calls the nurse and she's like, "No, you need to go to the hospital. Like, go yeah. to the hospital right yeah, now." Exactly. <laughs> no, I can't do that.
0: And I, I just always hear Nicolas Cage's voice when I read it too.
1: <laughs> that would be an excellent casting choice. Yeah.
0: And I just last night I rewatched Matchstick Men.
1: Oh, I haven't seen that movie Weirdly years.
0: coincidental because that's totally the era.
1: Oh, I love the part of, there's a great series of panels in there when. Um, <laughs> he, yes! You <laughs> like everything's
0: just, fine. Just uh, doing the Nicolas Cage grin and a thumbs up. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Muriel's there, and he's trying to uh, hes trying to throw up. Oh, yeah. But, like, everywhere he goes, yes. yeah. <laughs> he can't I throw up. I love that
0: bit. He goes to throw up in the toilet, and then she goes in the bathroom. So then he goes to throw up in the sink, and it's full of dirty dishes. So then he opens <laughs> the uh, window to throw up outside, and there's a bunch of surly bikers sitting right underneath <laughs> his window. <laughs> and then he holds his window to the ear and hears her crying, and then does the thumbs up to the camera.
1: <laughs> like, yes, ding! <laughs>
0: Runs out to the uh, fire escape to throw up, and there's the janitor.
1: Right, right. Going out tonight? Ernie, how the hell are
0: ya? <laughs> Not so good. <laughs> Esther's getting worse. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> Doctors say they've done all they can do. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> mm hmm. <laughs> and then, as the more the guy talks, it just zooms in on his sweating <laughs> brow. <laughs> She suffered so much. Last night when I visited, she was begging me. She said, please, Ernie, kill me. I can't take the pain anymore. Please, Ernie. She was screaming. I still feel her nails digging into my arm. She was screaming and screaming at me. Kill me. Uh, If you love me, kill me, please. Oh, God. I was frozen. I couldn't do anything. She was hysterical. A vase of flowers got knocked over and broke. A nurse came in with the big guy. They gave Esther morphine, tied her to the bed. They had to wrestle her. She's just a frail little skeleton with no hair, and they had to wrestle her. While they were wrestling, I was standing next to the nurse supply cart. Enough morphine to end Esther's pain forever. Just inches from my fingers, and I couldn't do it. Shit, I just remembered. I left my sister's baby alone in the kitchen sink. Shit!
1: (laughs) That's what's so great. Like the poor Ernie is like pouring his heart out to him about something that's horrible and tragic and he's just like, I gotta fucking throw up these pills.
0: I just love that wall of text. (laughs) And just the close up of his sweating eyes. (laughs) Shut the fuck up
1: (laughs) Shit I need to get out of here. Oh such a fun
0: book. (laughs) I mean that, that page there is enough to give it a vertigo from me.
1: Oh, a big Vertigo. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Fun
0: book. Fun, weird, dark book. Um, like so much of Vertigo, it's <laughs> unlike anything else. <laughs>
1: indeed, indeed. But what's the other... Uh, we, we haven't read this book, but there's another book that Kyle Baker did, and isn't it like... it's a It's a Superman story. And it's the only Superman story that got... Or one of the only Superman stories that got pulled. I can't remember what it's called. It's about Superman's babysitter.
0: Um, uh, ooh, uh, was that him?
1: I think so. Because I think like he won two Eisner Awards in the same year, and it was for that. And it might have been for I Die at Midnight, but I can't remember.
0: I think I know what you're talking about, but I didn't remember that that was him. Um, uh,
1: gonna have to look it up.
0: Super. I'm just gonna... Superman's... Babysitter... Letitia Lerner, Superman's babysitter. Yeah, is
1: that Yeah,
0: him? Kyle Baker yeah. with Liz Glass. Story originally appeared in DC Comics' Parallel Universe anthology, Elseworld's 80-page giant. I think I used to have that. Baker drew colored lettered, 10-page story. In the story, a super toddler climbs into a microwave oven. When Paul Levitz, the president of DC Comics, objected to this portrayal of the infant, most copies were recalled and pulped. DC destroyed all copies of the issue intended for North America... The copies were distributed in Europe, so I guess I did not have this book. award, yeah, it actually uh, won the Eisner in 2000. Also that year, Baker won an Eisner award for "I Die at Midnight."
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I the only way I, I read this book was a long time ago, as someone actually uploaded it to the internet. Oh yeah. But yeah, again
0: that. That's funny. yeah, because I, I had heard that I I remember I know exactly what the cover of that Elseworlds eighty page giant was because there's like a Superman on it that looks like Elvis or something. <laughs> I'll show you eighty or maybe eighty page giant. I'm looking it up on eBay right now to see what it goes for. You find everything. Yeah, well, it's kind of like Elvis. He just has cybernetics. Oh, yes. yeah. Holy shit, five hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't have a copy of that. Oh. oh, my comic shop has it for $4.85. They're a comic seller I've bought from before. But these are all graded. You probably can't even find it great. Ah, oh, there it is, ungraded. God damn. Wow. Oh, I have that. Starman 80 page giant. $3.50. <laughs> so there. <laughs> Raking in that dough. Whoa. Starman number one, four hundred or zero rather. Number zero. Oh no, that's the whole series. Oh, okay. I have all of those though. No biggie. Um, I was just looking up the other day, so Sweet Tooth premiered. We hadn't really talked about that yet. I oh, no. um, Sweet Tooth, number one. I have the first issue. Well, I have a whole series of Sweet Tooth, but the first issue is going for a decent price right now.
1: $125, dollars Because
0: yeah, of the show. Wow. It's eh, cheaper. $165, $157, $150. Wow. That's the entire first book for 100 six hundred and ten one thousand nine hundred those are both graded though oh. my my copy's not graded but it's in really fucking good condition one and two for a hundred three fifty for number one ungraded
1: well, didn't you say a while back that in all reality graded does not mean that
0: much? Uh, yes and no it's it, it's a it's a scam is what it is <laughs> there there's only one company that does the grading so they decide all the prices and so it's it's like, yeah, I mean, you can get your comic graded, and it could be worth more, but it's just this one small group of people that are deciding that. So the only reason for that to really have any meaning would be if other groups were grading as well. But they're not, so we just have to kind of take their word for it. And now grading has gotten – like my friend Chris, who collects VHS tapes, has said that people are grading those now.
1: No. Yeah.
0: So it's just it's just a fucking scam. There's a way to make money. But anyway, regardless um, – Next episode, we're we're going to be doing a, what another pilot season we are. about Swamp Thing, and then I think after that we should uh, dive into Sweet Tooth. Yes, please. Because I just briefly mentioned that that's on now. Go watch it. It's good. It's different. It's, it's unusual. <laughs> Have you seen Kath and Kim? I
1: haven't. Never no. mind. That's okay. All. So <laughs> reference to
0: that <laughs> to all of my Australian listeners who like weird niche Australian comedy that's not that funny. <laughs> Go watch Kath and Kid.
1: But interesting enough. <laughs>
0: so, it's weird. It's interesting. It's unusual. All right. That's the line in the show. Don't worry. Uh, all right. So this was a big vertigo for both of us. We didn't talk about the comic that much, but, uh, you know, you got enough. We had a lot to catch up on. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, it's just a good comic. Go read it. It's short. You can read it in 20 minutes.
1: You will have a blast. Yeah. If you have a morbid sense of humor, then this is right up your alley.
0: Yeah. The more morbid, the better. here. Here. So, end of the show. Time like and subscribe. Be sure to tell all of your bigot friends to not follow me on Twitter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bigots need not
0: apply. I mean, you can follow me. Just don't don't comment on my shit. I won't. I won't <laughs> comment on your stupid fucking shit. You don't comment on my awesome shit. Right.
1: <laughs> Keep your micro penis aggressions to yourself. Exactly.
0: <laughs> if anyone has a micro penis, hold on. Let me see this one guy's name. <laughs> <laughs> If anyone has a micro penis, it would be Spiral Staircase at Spiral Staircase six on Twitter. It's not even spelled right in his name. Sp- Spiral Staircase six. Staircos. Um, yeah, clearly, probably one of the smallest penises ever. Not even the micro penis. Like, <laughs> like it's just, it's just useless. Just. <laughs> Brings pleasure to no one, not even himself.
1: A mole on his nether regions, basically. Yeah,
0: just the worst.
1: He probably hates cats, too. No,
0: no he loves cats. He's clearly a cat lover. Wait a minute now. Weird motherfucker. Anyway. Follow us on Twitter at Vernigo Voices. Instagram, Vernigo Voices. It's all one word on Instagram, Right. Just vertigo voice. Okay, I, I, don't, I don't have Instagram. <laughs> or you can email us vertigo voices at gmail.com. Be sure to fucking put us on all your podcasting things and rate us five stars. Talk about how much you love Micropenises. <laughs> spiral staircase, and his tiny little, little pecker.
1: <laughs> It'll be fun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right, goodbye. Thank you for listening.
1: Goodbye.